0: Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. No BS with the bull, Manny Fernandez, worldwide in the VOC Nation Wrestling Network. How you doing, Manny? Wow, well, we're doing great. We're doing great. We had a great week at home after being on the road. We had a great week at home. Taking that, it easy. Taking it easy. You all vaccinated, right? You got your your two shots? Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah, the VA got me all vaccinated and stuff. I went. I had to go to the dentist because I need a tooth pulled. And I went yesterday and found out I had a really, really sweet dentist. She was very nice,
0: very nice. (laughs) There's nothing I hate worse than the dentist, and and there's so many bad dentists out. Not not to trash the dental community, but I just don't trust them. It's like I've had bad experience with dentists and eye doctors. It's like they always want to sell me on getting things and getting things done. Yeah, yeah. Same thing
1: here, but you know she was real sweet, and I had a bad after this tooth and she told me what she's gonna do for it and get me on an antibiotics. It was it was a great experience. It was very nice dentistry, very professional.
0: Very you know, one time Manny, I went to the dentist and they told me I need all this stuff done. And I mean, my teeth aren't aren't the best, and they're not the worst. I got a couple crowns, a couple root canals, but for the most part, they're in good shape. I so I I didn't really love the experience. I felt like they were working me. And I went, and I got a second opinion, and the other dentist said, "No, there's nothing wrong. You don't have to do any of that stuff." So that <laughs> it's like wrestling. Yeah, some of the wrestlers. Keep trying to work for you. No matter how long they know you, they
1: still they still trying to work for you. You know, they're yeah. they're so used to working people that it's constant in their life, and they keep trying to work people that been in the business as long as I have. You know what I'm saying? That's, That's like a, funny part
0: I've heard Hulk Hogan tell the Andre the Giant story like 62 times, 62 different ways. You know, he tore his bicep and all kinds of stuff and yeah they never stop working right and, and that was the thing about some of the old timers they're, they're always working
1: yeah like you know he don't tell you the story that Andre the Giant couldn't stand him Bobby Heenan tells that story where uh, Andre was so mad at Hulk Hogan he was trying to come out of WrestleMania in Wrestlemania one of those electric extended carts to go up and you could change light bulbs and stuff and, and Andre said if he does that he's going to push the cart over and knock him out of it you know, he doesn't tell you the true story. That people tell, Bobby Heenan told that story to me, and it was funny.
0: So I know Hogan was trying to go out of the ring in the cart, right? They 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 brought no, everybody was, down Bobby to WrestleMania three in the golf carts.
1: Right? No, no, no. Not only the golf cart it's one of those electrician carts, you know that they could rise up. Oh, oh the big it's, ones, right? Yeah. They rise up as as you're going, and he's going to raise it up high. so he'd be high above the crowd. And when Andre found out about that, according to Bobby Heenan, Andre was really pissed, really pissed (laughs) about that entrance. And he said uh, to Bobby, if he did that, he's going to push the card over. (laughs) Oh, my. So Bobby went and told Vince about it, and Vince put the ax on that real fast.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. That's (laughs) amazing. Oh, did you, you know, ever, get, uh, quick on Hogan, did, did you have any experience with Hogan? Did you guys cross paths in any of the territories? Oh, my
1: God. When I started my rookie season in, in Tampa, Florida, when I went from Amarillo to Tampa, he was the, uh, the guitarist in a band there and where we used to go to Level 3 Lounge, and he would come and bug How he could you get in the pro? Now, I'm a rookie, and this guy's asking me, how can you help me get in for us? And I looked at him like, are you stupid? I don't even know. You know, I'm not, I'm some dumb rookie. And you think I'm going to give you something to get me in trouble? Get me kicked out of business? Are you nuts? Yeah. you coming around all the time. Oh, well, I want to get in the business.
0: Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, today, speaking of, of legends and, uh, I won't say old timers because I'm an old timer. Who am I? Uh, legends. We're to, we wanted to talk about the the convention circuit is starting to open back up and independent shows are starting to open back up. And you and I were talking off air about a lot of the legends going and participating in these shows. And that's how they make their living these days. And working against the younger talent and um, – you know, a lot of nostalgia is baked into those shows. So, first, before we we talk about uh, the nitty gritty, give me uh, your thoughts on that whole convention scene. Have you done a lot of work at wrestling conventions over the years? No, not truly. Truly, no. It's you know this. I've done some. I'm
1: not like trying to get booked every weekend. No, that's not me. You know, I, you know, if I could do some, I'd do it mainly. I'll do a convention if my girl hasn't been to that part of the state or that part of the country and wants to go see something like the Washington Monument or Niagara Falls. or She's not never been to that state. I will do that. I will take that convention. She can see that part of the world. That's my main thing is getting out and sightseeing and seeing history. I love history. That was my minor in college, history. I love all the battles. I'm a historian when it comes to war, things like that. So that's, that's what I do. But I, don't, I, I pick a choose. I don't need it to make a living. And some of these guys that I've known most of my life and most of my almost all my career, they still need that to bring revenue in their life to have a living, a decent living, you know, especially going out. You know, and I'm one of those guys, you know, when your time is done, you pass it on to the younger generation, just like it was passed on to me. When Murdoch and them were passing this knowledge on to me, they passed it on so I could pass it on to a future generation. And some guys are still stuck in that ego that they still want to be stars, that they want to go out there and and beat the younger talent and everything. And you start thinking, you know, start thinking in your head like, wait a minute, dude, you're seventy something years old, close to seventy, and you're going to beat a kid that's almost uh, twenty two, twenty three, even mid twenty. You know, you. <laughs> It just isn't feasible. It's not realistic. Totally exactly. not realistic. You, you know, if you were a, a, a Lutez or a Carl Gotts or all them shooter shooters, then you would you know, the realistic part of wrestling. If, there, if you were that, you're going to have a hard problem. I know because I tested Lutez when he, when he was, what, 70-something? And he tore me up and <laughs> Jack Briscoe Jared Briscoe, all them great shooters. Yeah, I can understand that. But when you're just a worker, and a great worker and telling the workers work.
0: it's just the work yeah
1: is you it the, promote the
0: promoters it, yeah. is it the promoters though that are insisting that the legends go over cuz they want the the pop of the crowd you know all all uh, a couple hundred people that that go to those shows not that that's a bad thing i'm not i'm not crapping on it but is it the promoters that want that or is it the the legends that insist on that what's your experience well here's my take on
1: it okay when I did wrestle for certain promotions and I liked the person, they treated me real good, brought me in, took care of me and everything. They told me I was gonna wrestle their young guy. And I looked at this young guy, he looks great. Great body get mine, very respectful. And I said to I I tell him, <laughs> he's going over. Bottom line. That's the bottom line with me. I'm here to get this kid over. You know, I have no ego about the I generally know what it's about. And I go out there and bust my butt. And every time I do that, Bruce, when it's done, the crowd starts chanting my name. He's right. still got it. He's still got it. That's a bigger pop than going over. You know what I'm saying? Sure. That's the people believe in you still. It doesn't matter if you get your hand raised or not. What matters is how you do it. Right. And that's what I was taught in the old days.
0: Right, yeah, it, it was it, – it, there's a skillful art to losing a match, right? Because it, it's yes, – there's a lot yes, that's t- talked about now with, with certain guys over the years that, that just didn't want to lose and creative control. But I've heard others like Jim Ross talk about winning and losing doesn't really matter. You can still get over just as much or more by learning how to lose, right? Yes,
1: very much so. You know, there's been, you know, how many times did he drop the world title? I don't you know, get it back. It still stays strong, no matter what. It's how you do it. It's like, you know, Jim Ross, bringing up Jim Ross. Jim Ross told somebody to ask him, well, how about Manny Fernandez? He said, Manny Fernandez is tougher than $2 leather shoes. (laughs) (laughs) I love him for that comment. I'll never forget that. $2 leather shoes. It must be pretty tough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he gave me that compliment. And it's what it is. It is what it is. People should accept that. But you got a lot of these guys that they can't. They still think they got it. But you still got it with, if you get somebody over or not. It's how you do it. It's all about getting that younger generation the knowledge to keep the business alive. Right. That's the main thing.
0: Now, whose fault is it, though? So, you, you know, we talk about the wrestling conventions and talent needing those conventions to make a paycheck. And I mean, to me, some of that's very sad because these are people that most of us grew up idolizing. And um, you see somebody that's really doing something that they shouldn't in the ring at 65, 70 years old just to try to get through the next week. Is that the talent's fault for not saving? Was the promoter not paying enough money back in the day? Is it oh, not enough health oh, insurance or a mix of everything? What, what's your take on that?
1: Is, you know, every promotion I've been to and worked, they all were great. Joe Joe Blanchard on down, Amarillo on down. In and, and Amarillo, you paid your duty. So if you were a rookie, a green rookie, and you were to show that was sold on, you're still going to make twenty five fifty dollars dollars because – You don't expect that. You expect to earn the respect by working your butt off to get a higher pay. But all the promotions I've been with, Florida, Southwest, Mid-Atlantic, all the great payoffs, great pay. And then when you were under contract, you made that kind of money. It's just the way you carry out your life as a wrestler, as a person, in your personal life. Like I lost a lot of money from five divorces. Yeah. I, <laughs> I feel it's you there, brother. Hey, I'll tell you the truth. Ruth. I tell people, hey, at least I, with what I made in professional wrestling, I supported 5 ex-wives. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you do that. But I I am blessed with that honor. Like I told you, and I'll tell you uh, to the day I die, I am blessed with the honor of serving my country. So I'm set for life. I got a guaranteed income for life. That's me. But it's sad for me to see people that I spent 40 years of my life up and down the road, still having to go out there and work every weekend because they had to put their money away, or that's what they're they have. That's how they make their living to keep going week to week. You know, where yeah, yeah
0: it- you know. Is it out kicking your coverage in terms of, you know, trying to live a lifestyle and keep up a facade? You hear all the, the horror stories, even it, it transcends wrestling. Cause I look at basketball and Allen Iverson and you hear yeah. all of the money that he made as an athlete when he was active. And, and then all of those things that he bought that requires continual payments and upkeep, all of a sudden you're not making that same money. You don't have the shoe contract anymore. You're not under contract and the bills are still due. And, and these guys go deep and deep and deeper into debt. So is it, is it just a mindset and a mentality when you're on top of the world, you don't think that day's ever going to come? Yeah,
1: it is. It happens in every sport, every professional sport baseball, basketball, you know, soccer, whatever. Everybody gets a big paycheck, gets millions of dollars, and then eventually they don't keep up with what they're spending and they're overspending. No matter what they're making, they're overspending what they're making. And you end up in a long situation where your bills come due when you're not working for that kind of money anymore or you've been released and out of the contract. You're not making that kind of money anymore. That uh, it, it all catches up to you. And then reality says in that sets in that you're gonna lose everything because you're not kept maintaining what you had before you went into this.
0: Was there pressure outside the ring to live the gimmick? So you know, you have a gimmick, you're successful in the ring, you're winning matches on TV, and you know, you're a larger-than-life star. And is there pressure outside the ring? And I'm I'm not I'm talking about. Anybody, it doesn't have to be a Ric Flair or or somebody like that, but is there pressure to have the best cars and the best clothes and all that was on you, right? No promoters buying cars and clothes for you guys.
1: Yeah. Guys try to live their gimmick, you know, the Ric Flair, the world and all those uh, dusty roads while blind a Bentley Rolls Royce, driving a Bentley Rolls Royce. Me, I drove a hot, hot, souped up old Mustang. All I did was put work into the engine so it could outrun everybody. It go 200 miles an hour. I had a friend with NASCAR who drove uh, uh, Gerald Waltrip's car around from uh, race to race, a big 18 wheeler. I met him and his next door neighbor, and he gets souped up my Mustang. (laughs) That's what I drove. It was faster than anything on the street.
0: (laughs) You get from town to town in record time.
1: I didn't get into buying the Rolls Royces and the Porsches and all that stuff like Magnum and all those guys. But I was, like I said, I, was, I grew up poor. I don't mind living poor. It never bothered me. I had a nice house. I had a nice, you know, everything taken care of and everything that way. But I didn't like to show. Guys like to show off as part of the business. It happens everywhere. Guys get an NFL contract, millions of dollars. Next thing you know, they're driving a half a million dollar car. You know, they never. The thing about that is, you don't know how long that's going to last. They
0: got to be smart. I think people you know? also learn the hard way. I, I learn, you know, I've I've been very same same thing. I grew up very poor, and and I worked my way into success. And sometimes you learn the hard way that when you buy nice things, even if you meet the sticker price to be able to buy it, the upkeep on you know a, Four thousand square foot house or a, or a expensive car is is a lot of money, and and sometimes those expensive cars instead of tires being eighty dollars, they're eight hundred dollars. And I think people yeah. don't always yeah, understand the whole picture.
1: Yeah, especially those foreign cars. You start driving portions and stuff like that. That breaks down. You're talking thousands and thousands of dollars to repair. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not like going to AutoZone and buying a two dollar spark plug. Like that don't happen.
0: Yeah. yeah. I and mean, it's not like WWE today, I think coaches, their talent, they, they put their there's a performance center and, and it's a very big machine to educate people on what success looks like and what life looks like after you get through the, the first part of this journey. But back when you were active, that wasn't available. Right. You're just going. I mean, promoters were were promoters. They weren't big business owners. Right. No,
1: every territory had its own got box and this stuff everywhere you went back in the day, which territories, nine territories, you know, you had good payoffs. If you were able to work on top or in the middle, you did, you made a decent living, you know, you made a good living, you know, able to afford nice things and rent nice places or put down and buy a nice house. Me, I bought me a small nice house, you know, my wife's camp, of course, but there was nothing big. I, I didn't try to impress anybody. You know, I, beat up, I wore beat up jeans and cowboy boots and t shirts. Uh, who was I trying to impress? Right. You know, well, I know what it is, you know, and all these guys with the $300 suits and everything. I wasn't that. I'm not that kind of person. Just to this day, I, I don't think I've ever in my life wore a tie.
0: <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> lucky yeah. you if i never have to again it won't be too soon
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but you know
1: it's people that keep trying to impress and live that life you know they just just the phase that they don't get over and eventually it's gonna end everything ends.
0: everything everything
1: ends. Ends. It's, it's reality i've known reality since i was a child since i was a kid growing up i've seen a lot of my friends die very young I mean, when I was ten years old, when my nine-year-old buddy died, I know what life's about. We are born to die. Yep. It's what you do with that time that you're here that matters.
0: Amen.
1: And what matters is living and being happy, not having a Porsche or a boat or anything like that, because all that stuff's gonna end. You know, eventually it's mm-hmm. gonna end. You know, and you cannot take that with you. What you can take with you is the memories of how you lived your life. Yeah. That's all that matters. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's funny, Manny. I I uh and and going off the track a little bit, I I am a very religious person, right? Uh, you know, Baptist or um, you know, we changed to um more of uh for, I don't I forget the denomination, but uh more non-denominational, I guess now, but very religious, very devout. And I was never afraid of dying up until the point that I had my kids. And I I really I'm not worried about what's on the other side. I just want to be here for my kids. So it just, different things happen in life that gives you different perspectives, right? Yeah.
1: It's like me, Bruce. I, I put, uh, I'm a very staunch Catholic. My mom raised me Catholic. And when she passed away in my arms, she told me to stay Catholic. I held her on her dying breath and she said, Son, please stay Catholic. Because some of my family turned to Jehovah's Witness and she asked me to do that. And I'm a, now, I before when I got all wrapped up in resting, I put God on the sidelines. I kept him on the sidelines. I became this evil person. Now he's back in my life and I love it. I go to church three, four times a week or one. I got an altar in my house. I like candles. It's because of him that I'm here. You know, you're talking to a person that's been shot twice, stabbed eight times, just finish a horrific crash with an eighteen wheeler and came out with just minor head damage. Yeah, and there's a reason I'm here and that reason is to teach people, young people, like I train this great business and how to get along in the business and what to expect in the business that's what I teach them more than anything respect and what to expect don't expect that you're going to make millions of dollars right away, you're going to have to earn your way you know, and don't think that million dollars that you make is going to last your whole life you got to think ahead of the course
0: You got to be ahead to know to prepare for the future. Yep. Yeah. Be smart. Invest your money wisely. Do the right things. Yep. Uh, Let's uh, let's take a quick break. Let's sneak in a quick break on the other side of the break. We'll come back. We'll talk about some of the people that you see on the convention scene, some of the people that have been around for a while and still very active, but uh, maybe an older age and Uh, We'll talk through that (laughs) and we'll talk through that. Uh, we talk a little bit off the air and we'll bring some of that on the air to your comfort level. This is no BS with the bull Manny Fernandez right here on VOC nation wrestling. VOC nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC nation wrestling network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Phil, Laughter, The Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit vocnation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation. All right, back here, no BS with The Bull, Manny Fernandez on the Voc Nation Wrestling Network. If you have a question for Manny and you want to interact with the show, just do so by tweeting at voc nation the hashtag no BS with the bull or comment on one of our tweets uh we're happy to read the feedback we do have a bunch of feedback manny from uh the first whatever seven eight nine episodes we've done together so right. maybe the next time we'll read uh, we'll just do a show on feedback and uh listener questions how's that sound oh, nice. all yeah. well, right Before we got on the air, we were talking about a call that you had with uh, Ricky Morton, uh, who you worked with a lot back in the 80s, especially in uh, in NWA, Mid-Atlantic. And Ricky was on his way to a show and trying to convince you to work at that show. And we were both talking about, and, and listen, this is not a slight on Ricky Morton. He makes his own decisions, can do whatever he wants in life, but he's 67 and it's It's you you know, you wouldn't think that somebody that's at that later stage in life should be taking bumps in the ring. Right. That's that's not the best for their health. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know,
1: anybody knows my relationship with Ricky Morton. There's no doubt that I love the guy. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. One of the greatest baby face, wise. one of the most white meat baby faces ever in professional wrestling history. Yeah, he was ahead of his
0: time, man. He would have been a yeah. huge star today. 64, I'm sorry. Yeah. 64. And I'll tell you right now, Robert Gibson should be Chinese his shoes for the rest of his life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, two separate guys, but Ricky was the talented one of the bunch. But Robert was a good hand, and Robert's a great guy himself. I like Keys and Robert a lot, but sometimes I get worried. He called to check on me a few hours doing. He was up in uh, New Jersey. He was up in New Jersey doing a convention with that guy, uh, some ESS guy. Oh, Eric Sims. Yeah, that guy. And I don't like to mention his name.
0: He's <laughs> another no BS. He says no BS yeah. with ESS, but we, we didn't rip yeah. him off. We're, we're no BS. Yeah. Yeah, he's
1: full of BS. <laughs> the bad thing right. him, he's full of BS. Right. <laughs> but Ricky called a check on me, which I agree. We, we talked. 40 years of our life, since 1980 in San Antonio, and me and Ricky have been wrestling against each other or with each other. So I'll always love and respect him. But sometimes I worry about him. He called a check on me, but I was more worried about him. I was trying to get out, what are you doing? And we said he had a wrestling match uh, Friday night in uh, New Jersey. In New Jersey, I don't know with who. Probably with NWA Power, I'm not sure. But then he was doing a convention there with that ESS dude. And uh, I said, well, how are you doing, dude? What are you doing? You know, and he just <laughs> he gave me the blow-off. I said, oh, my wife's calling me. I gotta go, man. <laughs> he, he was trying to work, man. I knew that was a bunch of crap. I just knew that because, yeah, I worry about him. You know, you're out there busting your butt. And, uh, and he's doing some amazing things at his age. He really is. But you're out there busting your butt. Anything that happened with these younger guys. You know, you're not that young that, You know, something bad could happen to you. I just wonder why he's still banging around, you know? Do the conventions. Do the button, sign autographs. When you're trying to work somebody that's been in the business, known you for over 40 years, that's that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. (laughs) I Um, mean...
0: Manny, and I I guess I don't want anybody to think that I was attacking Ricky for still working at 64. My thing is I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm afraid for Ricky because he's 64 and still working, and that's not my job to be afraid for him. But it's this the, the larger issue where I feel like it's such a shame that there wasn't a system in place when a lot of you guys were working regularly so that you know they could ease up and retire in their, their 60s and not have to bump around in the ring.
1: Right. That's what I was thinking too when I was trying to get that out of him. He's all right. Yeah, I don't worry about Rick because I love him to death. Yeah. And he's one of the greatest talents in our business. But if he's like, you're right. I understand. It's about respect. You respect the guy so much you worry about him bumping around in that ring. You know, what's going to happen to him at that rate. It's sad to say that some people that they put their money away and, and, you know, they can go on their uh, golden years and retire and have fun with their life, travel to places where, you know, it's just them and their wife and enjoy life, and enjoy the world. That you have to go every weekend and keep trying to make money to keep going in life, that's bad. And like I told you before, off the air and on the air, I thank God that I serve my country honorably and I'm taken care of for the rest of my life. Yeah. Even when they put me down, they're paying for it. You know, yeah. they're paying for it to me. But, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to do have done that. And it's sad for me to see brothers that I traveled up and down the road with for 40 years still going out there trying to take bumps. And, and understand it. If I did that and I have done that, I'd go out there to get the new generation over, establish them, make them the next generation superstar. Not myself. Right. What the hell? I got no, nowhere to go. You know, why not make that young guy look good by by letting somebody that used to be somebody get him over? Right. You know what I'm saying? And some of these guys got that ego that they got to be over. They still got it to be over. They still got it to, you know, carry on and everything. And it's really not about that. You're 60-something years old. You're trying to put, uh, beat a 25-year-old, 24-year-old. Guys in their mid-20s, late-20s, whatever, it's just not feasible to me, you know. You got to
0: drop. Do, do you have to pick and choose, Manny? So when you're still, you know, if you work every once in a while at, at, at this stage in your career or your life, Are you picking and choosing? Are you just, obviously, you can't know everybody. So you're going around to these different territories, small territories, independents, and the promoter puts somebody in front of you and they say, well, this is my top guy. I I want you to put him over. Are you at least doing some homework to make sure you're not putting over somebody that's going to make you look bad? Or do you not care?
1: You said the right word, pick and choose. When the promotion that calls me up, I know that promotion and that promoter. And when Ian Rotten calls me up, I know he is. I know how close he is. And, he, and I know the true he has. When Mike Gunner calls me, God sake, same thing. I don't go to promotions where I'm, people are strangers. I don't need that. I go to promotions that know me. I know them. I trust them. They trust me. And I go out there and get their star. Over. You know, I make their star. Look, and like I told you earlier, when I'm doing that at the end of the match, People still cheering me saying, man, he's still got it. Man, he's still got it. That's, you know, that tells you right there, you're still doing something right. Right. No matter what. It's how you, as I told you before, it's how you do it that matters. How you do it and get that star over, that's what matters.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, Manny. Um, on on just on Ricky Morton, I, so there's, you know, some of there's some legendary Ricky Morton stories out there. Anything come to mind? Ricky Morton and and the Rock and Roll Express uh, attracted the ladies back in the day. Anything come to mind? Any any really good stories from traveling the roads with the Rock and Roll Express? <laughs> there's tons <laughs> of stories. Rock and Roll
1: Express. I think the best stories are. Rock and Roll Express and me and Rick Rude, you know, me and Rick Rude had a good feud going with him. And, you know, and we were the B team, but we were we drew the A team. And that was because Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, both of them got together, drew, drew all the young teenage girls. And if you know anything about drawing young teenage girls to a wrestling show, you're going to know that the young teenage boys are going to follow. So when a ton of girls showed up for a match, then a ton of teenage boys came and you had a crowd. Because they all the guys wanted to get with the girls, and the girls wanted to get with Rock and Roll Express. Right. So you usually didn't have a crowd because they attracted very the young teenage crowd, which had the parents, and the parents would bring them, and the boys would come to follow the girls. So you had a crowd. I thought you say Rock and Roll Express in their youth, in their time, they could draw the women.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it had to be an amazing time to work in the business. You know, A and E's doing this biography, a completely different subject, but I wanted to touch on it while we're together. A and E's doing this biography series on different wrestlers of uh, uh, WWE talent. And this past week was on Macho Man Randy Savage. Did did you get a chance to see that? Do you do you did did you take a look at any of those AE biography biopics yet? Oh I I
1: read about it on Bill's thing, and what turned me off is I the first part of it said Jerry Lawler. And I wasn't gonna watch anything with that big <laughs> dude in there. You, know, you don't like Jerry Lawler? The, yeah, I like a piece of garbage in my book. Uh, you
0: know, but uh anything you can share anything anything that no, the point is nobody really tells the truth in these documents. They
1: don't tell that he owned the Memphis side of the territory Memphis itself to get himself over all of that. That's the thing. You know, he was the owner of the Memphis, town of Memphis. And if you come and wrestle Memphis, you had to work for getting Jerry Lawler. I didn't. That's why I didn't last long there. I didn't I care have, for the guy. I didn't care as, for him at all.
0: I as beat as the old. hell out of
1: him one time, doing him on the top rope. You know, uh, it just, the thing about that is, it's just me. I was always a rebel in, in the business. That's why a lot of people didn't want to book me because he's taking a chance to me just doing what I wanted to do when I wanted to. You know, and, uh, you know, just that territory and that uh, uh, Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett and all them guys, they were, they were a bunch of liars. They brought us in. I came in. There was a guaranteed uh, $1,500 a week. And I even, they even got close to that. Never even got close to that. That's why I went after them in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and they called the cops on me to get me out of the building. The riot squad came. Wow. And that was the funniest part about that night. And Ricky Morton, if you ever talk, he'll tell you. Is all the riot squad came. I demanded my money. I got my money and I left already. But the riot squad came down there to the dressing room. And Ricky Morton told me, he said, All you guys for one guy?
0: (laughs) 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 One guy, but it was a raging bull.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was raging, bro, that night. Like, so, no, that's, you know, I don't have – I have no respect for Jared at all. At all.
0: Zero. So, yeah. so, and, and that that's interesting. So, payoff problems in Memphis and just uh, misset expectations, is that what it comes down to? Yep,
1: yep. And him thinking that uh, he was going to get over on everybody and I wasn't playing his game. I wasn't going to play his game, you know, trying to show off talent. You know, by him being a conqueror, and it just doesn't work with me. And, you know, I just, there's so many things that guy is so full of, you know. Right. They put they the big pitch on him with that uh, taxi actor, whatever that, Andy Kaufman, right?
0: Who's Andy Kaufman? So <laughs> I was going to you- ask you, how did you feel about that? Because you're a big protector of the well, business, yeah. respect for the business right. guy. He, how, what yeah, were you thinking when that was happening? I thought
1: it was the dumbest thing ever. Here's a comedian on taxi, right? And then Jared Lawler tries to make him look like a tough guy. And if you'll be, Does that make, put a feather in your cap? Does that give you something? A brownie button that I'd be Andy Kaufman? Who the hell is Andy Kaufman? What the hell has he ever beaten his life?
0: Yeah, that how was that the sentiment behind the scenes? I mean, Memphis was originally, I mean, that was essentially sports entertainment started in Memphis. That a lot of wild, crazy yeah. entertainment angles happened down there, and that's what they were known for. But was the rest of the industry upset about the involvement of Andy Kaufman and making a mockery of the business?
1: I don't know. I truly don't know, but I know they were trying to ignore it. Yeah. Not trying to put off of it. I knew that. Especially their major territory is owned by Eddie Graham and, and the other guys, you know, guy and O'Connor and Harding in Kansas City, you know, Blanchard and Southwest and Tennessee. So they're trying to play it off as no big deal because, you know, Memphis was messing. Memphis was considered a joke anyway. You know, you went in there as a top star and then Jared Aller beat you and then you left as a loser. Sure. <laughs> so, um, bottom line I have no respect for the man.
0: No, I never I, will. I uh I understand, and and that sounds like you have good reasons for that. Let me sneak in one more quick break, and then I will come back. I want to ask you about Randy Savage on the other side of the break, and uh and any any time you have with him, because there's a a recent A and E special on Savage that gained some some uh, accolades out there in the wrestling community. So we'll do that on the other side. Quick break, we'll be back. No BS with the Bull, Manny Fernandez on VOC Nation. Bill Apter has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight? 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill Apter's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? minneapolis minnesota Okay, and uh, give us something about your back first of all your relationship to ole anderson ole is my subscription to voc nation premium starts at just three dollars a month and includes commercial free audio and video versions of our top podcasts okay we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the <laughs> world heavyweight tag team champions tarzan tyler and luke graham and he's uh... He's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect Well, I'll is? tell you,
1: Bill, I've searched the world and I
0: finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found...
1: Well, what's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know
0: what to say, but I, I want to say one thing now. Uh. Bruno was a Hear you know? exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill After, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno Sammartino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did not have anything to do Well, yes, but the whole thing is this. That the rules, as I always understood them, was and the title could only be lost by 10 or or submission, which is the same rule as uh, my title, the World Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. All right, back here on No BS with the Bull Manny Fernandez. By the way, we're sorry uh we recorded a little bit late, so the the new drop date for No BS is Mondays and it gives Manny and I a chance if if we have something going on Friday, we can record on Saturday or Sunday and this is completely my fault because we agreed to record on Sunday and I got so wrapped up with my kids that I completely forgot. And I get I get a call from Manny like six hours later saying, hey, I dropped off the bridge. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, My fault. And uh, that's why this is getting to you on Wednesday this week. So completely my bad. Not Manny's. Send your hate mail to me. Uh, but anyway, Manny, I just wanted to get, I, I know you didn't have a lot of experience with Randy Savage or, or he, maybe even any, but what was your, your view of Randy from afar and the work that he did and the style that he worked?
1: I thought Randy Savage was a very talented guy. I loved his gimmick. I think he worked his gimmick fantastic. He was a great worker, great worker. Even in, in Spider-Man movies. I liked him in the Spider-Man movie. Yeah. it yeah. <laughs> was pretty cool. But, no, I had a lot of respect for Randy Savage's work. A lot of respect for that. I thought the guy was great. Great gimmick, great worker. I thought he had to put up on a lot, having to deal with Hulk Hogan, trying to get him over. And, <laughs> anybody trying to wrestle Hulk Hogan had their hands full trying to get that idiot over. But, <laughs> you know, Randy was talented, very talented guy and did a great job getting that idiot over.
0: I mean, he did great. If you think about it, Randy worked with Hulk from uh, they started having some matches together in 85 uh, worked a little bit together in 87 and 88 and then had the legendary split in 89. So, Randy, if you look at Hulk Hogan, it comes down to three main people. In in terms of building Hulkamania, maybe four. You have Randy Savage, Bobby Heenan, Andre the Giant, and Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and, yeah. and and Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper would be number five. And and to me, and I was a big Hulk Hogan fan growing up, Manny. But to me. Yeah. The biggest protagonist or antagonist was was Bobby Heenan. And I've always maintained that there would be no Hulk Hogan as we think of him now without Bobby Heenan on the other side of that Amen. equation. It takes two to tango. Amen. And
1: you know what? It goes back to what I told you. It takes a great guy to make somebody uh, – what did you say? It takes, <laughs> it takes a great guy to mold Clay into something respectable. And those guys that you mentioned, that's what they did for Hulk. If these guys didn't, if DeVinston put them with those guys, caliber guys, every one of those guys, even mostly Andre, Hulk Hogan would not really be that big. You know, it took those kind of guys that could carry somebody like that and educate them because they didn't have much wrestling skills at all. At all. You know, and they carried them and made them look like a million dollars. It takes those kind of people like Randy, like Roddy, like Andre. Especially Paul Orndorff, just wonderful. That guy was very talented.
0: Yeah, and you know, and
1: they they did a great job. You know, look where they got him. Was
0: was did you work at all? And and you know, speaking of Piper, Piper was on Biography last week. Did you work with Piper in the NWA? No, the only time I worked with Piper
1: and Kevin Sullivan, it was. uh my rookie year in the Amarillo territory in San Jose, California, where I went to school. And it was me and Dick Murdoch in the tag against Roddy and Kevin Sullivan. And I went out there and did the best I could. And the greatest compliment I got was from those two veterans. When I came back, I think it was my second match ever. And I was tagged with Murdoch. And every time I screw up, Murdoch would yell, come here, dummy, tag me so I can straighten this mess out. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm dead, 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 and I sit there and wonder what I did wrong. And when I got back to the dressing room after the match, of course, they went over. And I got back there, both Kevin and Roddy come up to me and said, kid, you did pretty daggone good for just being that young in the business. That was one of the best compliments I got in my early days, Kevin and Roddy. And I I was always great friends with uh, Roddy, but really close to Kevin's problems. Throughout the years, we stayed really close. And he's yeah. always
0: been great. I think we could do a whole show on Kevin Sullivan coming up in a couple oh, yeah. weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I... yeah. You know, <laughs> I, we were in a
1: show together, and he was there with me. And the week before that, he was at a show. And some idiot kid threw a chair. Uh, Kevin's 70-something years old. He was legitimate over 70. threw a right. chair. Kevin didn't expect him. hit Kevin, busted him open. <laughs> and I was going to go, that guy's ass. I'm not you. I was so pissed off that you do something that stupid to a legend like him, an old timer like him, like me. I was. There, but Kevin said, "No, no, man, don't worry about it."
0: This was a fan, or this was a uh, talent trying to get himself over.
1: He was, was one of the talent. one of the talent, one of the young guys, one of the young wrestlers. Busted
0: him open the hard way. Yep. Yeah, Kevin <laughs> Sullivan. You think about you know we talked about. Uh, Dusty Rhodes last week, Jerry Lawler this week, and the other one is Kevin Sullivan. Three great, great wrestling minds. I mean, no matter what, you have opinions about them maybe getting themselves over, but Sullivan was a great mind. And if you think about him, he was not—he was the opposite of of Lawler and Dusty because he wasn't yep. really putting himself over ever. I mean, he was—he was taking the loss most of most of the time. Yeah, Kevin. He had
1: no ego. That's what I yeah. loved about Kevin. That's so I was so close to Kevin. He knew what the business was and He had no ego. He did his gimmick. He got all his gimmicks over so strong. It didn't matter if you win or lose as long as your gimmick is strong. And his gimmick was always so strong, it didn't matter what happened to him. That's yeah. what I love about him. He got over no matter what.
0: No matter what. One of the best wrestling minds of all time. We're going to, in the next couple of weeks, so we got Mailbag coming up. We'll read your comments and, and questions for Manny. We'll do a show, uh, a whole show on Kevin Sullivan. And then, uh, Manny, we've gotten some feedback. People want more on you and Rick Rude and your relationship with him. So I think we could do an entire show on Rick Rude, if that if that works for you. Yeah, it
1: me. I love Rick Rude.
0: All right. Well, this is Fast and Furious this week. And and again, my apologies for uh, dropping the show late and and cutting us a little bit short this week. We try to give these things about an hour. We're going to be uh, with the commercials about 50 minutes. So, All my fault, but we'll get back to normal in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. Make sure you hit subscribe, follow, like. It's completely free to the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed. You get all of our great shows on one feed, including talent like Bill After, Ken Resnick, Wes Briscoe, Shelly Martinez, people much more exciting than me uh, and uh and of course the great manny fernandez so Manny, any big plans coming up any big appearances conventions anything that you've got uh happening in the coming days or weeks yeah the dentist <laughs> those teeth dentist <laughs> get some implants don't let them do anything that they don't have to do that's my advice yeah that's for sure. I got, thank God I got a court-appointed guardian payee. She <laughs> handles everything. If it don't seem right to her, she rejects it. <laughs> amen. Well, God, God, God willing, uh, we'll be back together next week. Uh, God bless, and hopefully everything goes well in the chair. <laughs> yeah, amen. Yeah. Thank
1: God for that. You take care, and uh, thank you to all our listeners, and Hopefully they enjoy and stay in tune, and God bless them all.
0: Yeah, follow us at Voc Nation on Twitter. Get your feedback. You can email Bruce at vocnation.com as well for that mailbag episode. We've got a lot of comments, so we'll get through as many as we possibly can. If you're a premium subscriber for three dollars a month at uh, premium.vocnation.com. You're first in line for your feedback. So it's only a few bucks. Most of the money gets divvied up to our talent. So uh, make sure that you support our wonderful talent that gave you lots of memories over the years and and sign up for premium. That's it for this week for the raging bull, Manny Fernandez. I'm the voice of choice. Bruce work. We'll be back next week on wrestling. I'm sorry, not wrestling with history. Where's my one track mind. No BS with the bull, Manny Fernandez. Thanks everybody. For over 10 years, VOC nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Lapter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation.